Hey there, it's time once again for the Meaningful Measurable Marketing Podcast. I'm Jen Carroll. And I'm Annalisa Hilliard. Together, we are the Dames of Data Dames Marketing. As the Dames, Jen and I are marketing strategy consultants who help our clients align marketing, business goals, and measure results that matter. As longtime friends, we avidly consume and critique all kinds of drinks, spend as much time outdoors as possible, and are always learning. We also strive to stay on top of what's happening in our industry. Our goal with this podcast is to look at today's biggest marketing trends, many requiring enterprise-level teams and budgets to fully implement, and try to apply them in ways that make sense for small to mid-sized businesses. We hope you'll subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. You can connect with Jen and me via our website, datadamesmarketing.com, or on LinkedIn, where we do most of our social media networking. In this episode, recorded in December 2020, Annalise and I were excited to interview Holly Price, a web developer and WordPress enthusiast from Liverpool in the UK. Holly first caught our attention in a moment of frustration in mid-2020, actually. We found ourselves dealing yet again with a page builder in WordPress that wasn't functioning well on a client's website, and we were trying to wrap our heads around why there's been a meteoric rise in the popularity of page builders. While I was Googling various queries, one of Holly's blog posts, should you use a page builder on your WordPress website, popped up. She'd written that post in May 2020, and from a developer's viewpoint, listed out many of the frustrations we data dames were encountering. She felt like a kindred spirit from all the way across the pond. After some messaging back and forth on LinkedIn, we were delighted when Holly said she would let us interview her about page builders and, more broadly, website builders like Shopify, Squarespace, and Wix, and discuss their pros and cons. We hope the knowledge she shares will be helpful for any small business marketer who's considering website redevelopment. Here we are with Holly.
In today's edition of Meaningful Measurable Marketing, we are going to be talking about page builders and website builders. Um, The reason why is obviously they've become very, very popular over the last decade or so, but they also present some problems for all parties involved, developers, businesses, SEOs, marketers, all of that. Um, So today our guest is coming to us from very far away. <laughs> Across the pond. Across so. the pond. Um, that's a terrible accent. Okay. Um, uh, to, I'd like to introduce Holly Price. She is a website developer in the UK. And Holly, tell us about yourself. Hello. Yes, my name is Holly and I'm a web developer and I specialize in word development, WordPress websites. Um, Basically, my main job is to turn designs into fully functioning WordPress websites. And I also provide WordPress support to WordPress website owners. And what part of the UK are you from? So I'm originally from um, the county of Shropshire, which you probably have never heard of before. That's okay. (laughs) Most people haven't heard of Canton, Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) It's like a very rural part of the UK. Uh, lots of farms and hills, but I currently live just outside of Liverpool. Nice. They have a good soccer team, I hear. Well, <laughs> there's, there's two football teams in Liverpool. There's Liverpool and Everton, and I'm an Everton supporter. So Okay, all right. So is one of those good or not so good? <laughs> well, they're both in like the top football league here in the UK, but um, Liverpool did win the league last year, which caused a lot of upset. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Nice. Um, yeah, I keep forgetting, of course... It's football, and, yeah, we, it's, and we say soccer. So. Yeah, we we actually had a conversation before we started recording. It was like we were talking in Fahrenheit, right? <laughs> it, the confusion. Yeah, just, <laughs> Why? I think I don't know. Is maybe the U.S. the only country that uses Fahrenheit? I don't know. I think so. Probably. <laughs> so. One of the things that we like to do at every podcast is we love to give small businesses a shout out. Um, Obviously, 2020, it's always hard to be a small business owner, but um, 2020 has definitely made it even harder. So we'd love to hear, Holly, if there's a small business near you that you'd like to tell folks about. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm going to give a shout out to my friend, Julia, who runs a business called the Independent Girls Collective. Um, She's based in Liverpool. And basically, it is an online membership for female business owners and she creates courses to help business owners with all areas of their business so things like branding uh she used to be an accountant so she's got some great courses on like tax which is a bit more uk based um but there's all sorts of courses on everything you need to know about running a business and she also has a really supportive facebook group which is just full of business owners you can go and ask any questions so that's my small business shout out Oh, that is awesome. What's the website? It's called Independent Girls Collective. I think it's .co.uk or .com. If you type in Independent Girls Collective in Google, it'll come up. That sounds like, that's great. Thank you. Yeah, that could be a value for folks here. And you're an independent business owner, is that correct? Yeah, so um, my business is just called hollyprice.com. And I mostly run it on my own. My boyfriend um, left his job to come and work with me as of uh, summer this year. He's also a web developer, so that's, um, oh. that's really fun. Wow, right. that's perfect. But um, still considered a small business. Yes, right, <laughs> definitely. Well, there's a difference in the definition between small business here and where you are. How do you guys define small business in the UK? Um, so a small business in the UK would probably be maybe like less than 10 employees, probably. Okay, all right. Yeah, here in the US, it, it we only have like, essentially two official definitions. And I think 
I don't remember what goes up to. I think it's like over a thousand. Anything under a thousand might be a small business. I probably and what is enterprise? I don't. Yeah, large business and small business. You'd think we would have more definitions, but um, I don't think that we do. So anyway, our, we've come to our favorite part of the podcast, yeah. which is always, what are you drinking? Now, we here, it is 9 a.m. in Ohio. We have some good, high quality H2O. <laughs> right. And a ref water boy. Okay. Adam Sandler. Yeah. Um, and, and we also have some good quality coffee. Now, right. I suspect that Holly might be drinking something different at this point in the day, but we just love to hear in general what you are drinking. Or what lately. do you like? Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just being boring and drinking water at the moment. But, okay. um, once once I've done uh, recording this podcast, I'll probably open a bottle of wine because it's a Friday night. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Great. White or red? I drink rosé wine. Oh, okay. Well, there. <laughs> right, right in the middle. <laughs> Very nice. Are you quarantining in any way right now? So, you know. Yeah. So in the UK, we've just come out of, um, well, in England, in England, Scotland, Wales, it's all different. It's very confusing. But in England, we've just come out of our second lockdown. Mm-hmm. And now we're in like a tier system. So different areas of the country are in different tiers, depending on uh, the infection rate. So mm-hmm. there's three different tiers. Three's the worst, one's the best. And mm-hmm. we, where I live, we're in tier two, which mm-hmm. means we can go out to restaurants, but we can't meet with other people. So mm-hmm. a bit rubbish. Yeah. Yeah. We, we've got a lot of confusing things here as well. Um, but I was just thinking on a normal, like if this, if COVID didn't exist, would you, were there some great local places you'd like to go out to <laughs> on a Friday? Oh, I would love to go to the pub. I really miss going to the pub, just like, um, there's a small one not far from where we live so it's like really cozy really traditional English pub with the especially at this time of the year it'll have the roaring fire and I miss oh, it so much sounds fantastic oh my gosh all right if I'm we coming. ever get to the UK <laughs> I know I'm coming to that we're pub. gonna look you up you're gonna yes. have to tell us where that pub is yeah. sounds amazing <laughs> well as I mentioned at the beginning we're going to be talking about page builders and a little bit also about website builders. Um, and the reason we invited Holly to join us today is this was uh, several months ago and it was just an Annalisa and I had encountered just another instance of a problem with a page builder. And I, I remember I was just so frustrated with with it. And I just started Googling, why on earth do people keep using page builders? And Holly had written an excellent blog post. And I'm like, ah, I got to reach out to this to this person and say like this really this this blog post it was exactly what some of the reasons I was looking for and so let's start by defining um, realizing that maybe not everybody who will be listening to this will know exactly what we're talking about they could be internal marketing people who aren't website developers and therefore may not know the difference between regular WordPress site and a page one that's built in a page builder even from a website builder so Holly do you want to tell us how you define page builders? Yeah, sure. So a page builder is functionality that allows you to build websites and web pages without needing to know how to code. Mm-hmm. Um, so they usually utilize drag and drop functionality and they're usually built with modules. So for example, or modules with blocks. So you would have like a text block to add text in or an image block to add um, images in. There are specific page builder websites that you might be familiar with, mm-hmm. like Wix and Squarespace, but you can also get um, page builder themes and plugins for WordPress websites. Yeah, and there, I know that's because WordPress probably has felt the need to be more competitive. Yeah, definitely. I think people see 
WordPress has been very technical and that's where page builders kind of come in to make life a little bit easier. Is it that they um, created their own page builder, uh, Gutenberg, is that right? Yeah, so in 2018, WordPress brought out their block editor, which is also known as Gutenberg. And it's because, like you say, I think they realized that they need to compete with places like Squarespace and Wix and have more of a user-friendly interface. Yeah, it's funny because we were doing our website around 2008. We were like, oh, we were thinking that Gutenberg was going to be like the new WordPress. So we had it like we had our uh, our developer install it initially and then we're like uh we don't want that anymore yeah, please take that off <laughs> so i think you had to install like a disable yeah. gutenberg plugin right it was at the point of that he was in the development stage yeah it was very um disappointing to say the least when we tried when uh when we were trying to use it so we're like, um take that off <laughs> <laughs> it was very buggy when it first came out there were a lot of problems and yeah even i installed like the called the classic editor plugin so I could go back to the normal editor because I didn't like it. Do you use Gutenberg now or are you still going classic? Yeah, I have made the switch now, Mm. um, but I do miss the old one. I think it's because I used it for so many years. Mm -hmm. Mm. So within um, page builders in WordPress, you talk about two different types. Um, So if you wouldn't mind defining themes versus plugins. Yeah, so there are page builder themes, which is where the entire website becomes a page builder so you can build absolutely everything so the header and the footer as well as all the content on the page and then there's plugins which kind of work with existing wordpress themes and they're mainly used to control the content rather than things like the headers and footers that's a good definition and clarification for me because i know i've you know i've worked with we've worked with several clients that uh, over the years have had page builders and can you tell like when you log into the back end of a WordPress site whether it it theme that plug uh that's a page builder or a plugin? Yeah, so you can normally just go to the themes page when you log into a WordPress website and see which theme it's using. So a common um well a very popular theme page builder is Divi. So yeah. just running Divi then using that. And then like page builder plugins, you've got things like uh, Divi does have a page builder plugin if you don't want the theme, but there's also Elementor, mm-hmm. Visual Composer, and Beaver Builder are the most popular ones. How does that work with customization? Like, if you're going to build a website, a client comes to you and they want they want a custom website built. Do you always use like a partial page builder? Like, if it's a, like, I guess a partial to me would be a plugin. Yeah, so it kind of depends on who the client is and what they want. Um, Some clients want a lot of flexibility. They know that they're going to want to build their own pages. And in that case, I would use a page builder plugin. Personally, as a developer, I would never use a page builder theme because I like to have full control over the theme and I can code. So it makes sense to make the actual theme itself from scratch. But some clients I don't think are a good fit to have page builders. And in that case, I would build the website slightly differently. And I'd utilize things like custom post types in WordPress and um, custom fields. Obviously, because these page builders have grown in popularity, there are a lot of good things about them or pros to using them. So let's talk a little bit about a few of those. We'll start with you, Holly. What do you feel are the pros to page builders? So I think the major pro of using page builders is that you don't need to know how to code and learning to code takes a long time and getting experience doing that. So being able to cut that out is a real benefit. 
Um, and because you don't need to know how to code, uh, you don't need to hire a web developer like me to come and do it. And that means it can be a lot cheaper. And um, it's also a lot faster because when I build websites, it normally take three to four weeks just to do the first draft. And then there's revisions and going live after that. But page builders can allow you to get a website up within a few days. That's why a lot of designers offer mm-hmm. um, like website in a day or website in a weekend projects. They'll always use page builders to do that because it's a lot faster. Mm-hmm. And that's actually um, speaks to a podcast that we did a while ago about the difference between um, developers, designers, and marketers. You know, that's that's one thing here, at least in the U.S., and I don't know if it's the same in the U.K., but people tend to interchangeably use the terms website developer and website designer when most of the time website designers usually do not have any coding experience you know they're like they're like the in we, we kind of used um um Annalisa, you developed a, an analogy to you know architect as the as the website marketer the you know interior designer is like the website designer and then the construction company is is the website developer the person who's actually writing code but here a lot of times people will just hire you know a website designer and you can be almost guaranteed that it will usually be in a in a page builder or or a website builder. Is that kind of the same experience for you? Yeah, it's exactly the same, especially sort of in the online space. When I worked um, in corporate, um, it was very normal to have separate web designers and separate developers, and we just focused on our own areas. But then when I um, left my job and started working for myself, it was quite a shock to find that there was a lot of web designers just doing web design, and they were building the websites as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess that's kind of one of the pros of having a, a page builder is a lot of times they they come in a, an aesthetic package, you know, they they look very nice. And so, you know, I think a lot of clients can get excited about a particular look that, yeah, that they think is going to, you know, work really well. That's, that can be something that's seen as a pro, I think, to these, to these, you know, themes and, and even the, the templates that you can get in website builders. Yeah. And I would think, I mean, obviously, you know, you're talking about a timeline, so it's faster, but like with faster setup usually would probably mean less expensive. I think it's hard for us when we have clients uh, looking at doing a website and someone sends them a proposal for basically a page builder website and then they have like a real developer or mm-hmm. a, de- a developer send them you know a proposal and when they look at it side by side you know we have to convince the client or help them you know understand the difference too I mean is that something that you run into a lot obviously yeah definitely coder yeah a lot of the time people will come to me for a quote and they're also going to go to other people. It's really hard to explain to people that you can't really compare a website built with a page builder versus a website built completely custom, just completely custom code. Um, so it is it is quite heartbreaking when people say no because they're going to go with another developer, uh, well, another designer who's going to build it with a page builder. But yeah, it is quite difficult. And sometimes I think, oh, maybe my life would be a lot easier if I just use page builders. But... I know personally that I I can build a much better website when I code it from scratch and it results in a better quality product products for the client as well. Well that's probably a good transition into talking about cons of Yeah, let's Holly, why don't you continue with your, you know, with kind of your line of thinking, um, you know, in terms of building a better website from scratch. What are some of the cons of 
page builders and website builders? So one of the big cons I think of page builders is even though I said before, it can make it easier for people who don't know how to code to build a website. They can also be really overwhelming for people to use. I've uh, worked with clients before who have had their website built by someone else using a page builder and they're absolutely terrified mm -hmm. of using it because they've had a bad experience. Maybe they've deleted something that they shouldn't have done. And then they end up just handing the whole website over to me and it kind of defeats the point of having a page builder. It should make their life easier. It doesn't. And then they end up having to source it out. And I just feel like there is more to go wrong in that aspect. Yeah, actually, I think that was um, a point we definitely wanted to hit on. And maybe you can talk a little bit from your perspective about more to go wrong. What do you what do you mean by that? We have some thoughts, too, but. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess it is because a, um, a page builder basically allows a client to do anything. They will do anything. Um, mm -hmm. They can delete things. They can break them, mess up the way it looks. You know, if you're hiring a designer and a developer, it's because you want someone to make sure that your website is going to look nice and function well. But sometimes clients go in and they just cause absolute chaos. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it ends up looking a mess. I was going to say, Lisa, we've, you know, had issues with plugins and all kinds of things that when you talk about things that go wrong. Yeah, I would say sometimes, well, I, I guess maybe the first thing I noticed, because I you know, when I first started looking at page builders and having clients that have them or, or have used them, I was like, yeah, this is great. Like, because, mm. you know, I guess for me and for Jen, we have a little bit more experience on websites than most clients, mm -hmm. most of our clients, um, but we're not developers. Right. Um, so we're kind of in the middle. It's potential that we could delete things, but I think we probably, I mean, I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but mm -hmm. we probably wouldn't. But then like the things that we run into, one of the things is uh, limited customization. Like, yes, there you can move things around and you can put things in different places. But like at, at some point you run into, oh, like I want to do this this way and we can't. Yeah, you just you're completely um, stymied at that point. Right. So you can't do it because of the because of the builder. And then like. Another thing is like usability for users to the website. So you're, you talked about, you know, complications and being overwhelmed on the back end mm -hmm. of the website. But then I think on the front end and again, with some of that, sometimes when you run into like a customization issue, it causes usability problems for the user. Um, and so that I feel like is is definitely one drawback of of page builders and website builders. Well, and as marketers, you know, we're, we're all about, you know, the user experience, we're about conversion optimization and other things. And those page builders and website builders are not necessarily built with any of the marketing pieces in mind. And so when we want to change those things and you run into a page builder, and you can't. It's very frustrating. I think too, Holly, you mentioned in, in your blog post originally about excess code. Um, and there was a lot about that. Um, can you talk a little bit about, that's kind of like a hidden thing. Clients don't really know or understand why that matters, but. Yeah, sure. So with page builders, they contain a lot of code because there's so many options. So for every option you see, there is a lot of code behind the scenes. More code means not only is there a chance of there being more problems, and like you were saying about installing plugins, sometimes you get plugin clashes. Mm -hmm. It can also slow down the website massively, which um, can have an effect on the performance mm -hmm. and your website speed has an impact on SEO. Mm -hmm. And so there's just so much extra code. And as a developer, you're saying about like um, 
customizing with page builders, they're so limited that you end up having to write more code to be able to do the things that you actually want to do. And it just seems really ridiculous to add more code when it's already really bulky as mm -hmm. it is. And, and that's not like code that you can just remove either. Like it has to remain there whether you use it or not because it allows all the functionality, right, of the page builder. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Whether you're using it or not, it's there. Yeah, and then one of the other things I know that we've run into, I know I was working on one site that uh, was on Weebly. Like it just seems like page builders and website builders specifically are behind a bit on SEO and obviously SEO evolving all the time. It, it's hard probably for them to keep everything up to date. But like one of the things I remember having to do with the Weebly site is like I actually had to have like an app to use heading tags. Like, what? Like, <laughs> how is this capability not? Because I, I was used to using like the WYSIWYG editor mm -hmm. in WordPress where you could use, you know, HTML code, mm -hmm. basic HTML code for heading tags. And I wasn't able to do that in Weebly. But I mean, now you can maybe, but it, it's one of those things where it seems like there's a delay. Definitely. I think that is another thing that's wrong with page builders is that they aren't great for SEO. And also because the client can control everything, they can also, it's like, I know, I don't think heading tags make much of a difference in SEO anymore. I'm not yeah. sure if that's right. true or not, but um, I've had clients and they've just added like 20 H1 heading one yeah. tags to a yeah. website, like one page. And you're like, this, this isn't how you do it. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're right. It doesn't, it's not usually from a, SEO standpoint anymore, but it's still, I feel like it visually helps break down parts of the page yeah. when you use like headings mm -hmm. structurally. Yeah. For, for the user, it's a better experience on the, on the page. Some of the other things too, that <clears throat> we've, we found is, um, for example, we had talked with a, an insurance company about a website and they wanted to use a company that just built websites for insurance companies. And that's that, you know, that was kind of all they did. And all the websites had some, this had the same basic look. And so while it sound, it was, you know, affordable, it was, um, it looked nice. Um, it would be a very difficult thing, I think, to differentiate their brand when your template looks like similar to all these other insurance companies. And so I'm not, again, sure why a, a company that was forward thinking and, and wanted to have a website that was uniquely their own, why they would want to use, you know, a page builder, a website builder that a bunch of other people in their industry use. So that was one, uh, another thing that we, that we noticed. And, and Lisa, you worked with uh, someone that had a Shopify site, you know, and you talked a little bit about all the expenses that go on top of the basic. Right. And I guess there's certain plugins, like I guess apps and plugins are kind of the same thing, depending on what platform you're talking about. On WordPress, it's plugins. On Shopify, I think they call them apps. And I know my friend uh, has like an e-commerce portion to her site. And so she uses Shopify for that. And I know there's like additional apps she has to pay for monthly. Like I think there was one that like helps her control her inventory or have like a, a database for her inventory. And so there's like added costs on top of what they quote you as like, here's your monthly cost. But it usually ends up being more than that for some of the advanced functions. Right. And I mean, I know some plugins also cost money on, on right. WordPress, but 
but yeah, again, if you're, if you're looking for this idea, this is going to be inexpensive and, and like this one basic cost and suddenly you're adding more and more each time you need to add functionality that, that changes the price. <laughs> yeah. Something to, I guess, keep in mind mm-hmm. when you're looking at the cost of a page builder, site builder. So um, when yeah. people come to you, I guess, in, you know, kind of in conclusion, you know, of these pros and cons, Holly, when people come to you and they talk to you, I mean, I, again, I don't know how many clients actually are enough in the development world, obviously, to understand page builder or no page builder. Like what, I guess, how do you counsel them? So I'd say most of the time people come to me and they're quite open to options. It's quite rare that someone will come and say, look, it has to be built with a page builder. Mm -hmm. I want this flexibility that the page builders give. Um, But if they do come to me and they talk about that, I do explain that this is why I build websites the way I do without page builders and using basically the features that WordPress already has. And I talk about the benefits. Um, I usually talk about things like usability, SEO, speed, and really try and sell the benefits of that, especially because they're coming to me as a developer and they're paying developer prices. Mm-hmm. Why would they want something that right. they could do themselves, really? Mm-hmm. And for us, when we, when sometimes we're brought in on projects that the page builders already exist. I mean, I think it comes down to something similar to what Holly said. We always talk about functionality and speed and SEO and. Mm-hmm. Branding and yeah. like that you can't get with with a, a page builder as, as easily or. Yeah. I think a lot of times, um, you know, when you talk about website builders like your Shopify and so forth, most of the time a, a larger business, you know, one, let's say here, you know, 50 employees and, and up, they're not going to be, hopefully, they're not thinking about, you know, necessarily doing a, um, you know, a Weebly site or a Wix site in most cases. However, marketing managers often don't realize that a designer or a developer might actually be using a page builder on their site. So or I think- a page builder plugin. Right. So I think it's just good, you know, hopefully, you know, we have some listeners today who this might be informative to them um, so that if they're going to be, you know, if they're a marketing manager and they're going to be considering a redevelopment in 2021 or, you know, and again, with the increase of online use during, you know, during this the coronavirus pandemic that, you know, I know a lot of companies are thinking about redeveloping or their sites. Um, it's important that they know about these page builders before they enter into contracts with, you know, and again, even some agencies I know will, will use page builders and. Yeah. yeah that, that reminds me, I guess, of, uh, and uh, it'd be a question for you, Holly, with page builders. Like if you commit to using a page builder, how easy is it to like, be like, Oh, this is not the experience I thought it was. Let's go back. <laughs> like it, it's not that easy. Right. No, so once you've installed a page builder and you've started using it, all your pages will be created using that. And if you uninstall the page builder plugin or theme, you're going to get left behind with um, short codes, which are like pieces of text that are in um, brackets, and the page will just be absolutely full of them. Your content will be in between them, but you have to sit there and manually remove them. And I moved um, a website recently from a page builder to just using normal WordPress. And it took hours and hours just sitting there, picking out the content and moving it over. And it was just so tedious. So it's almost like starting over. Yeah, basically it's like starting from scratch again. Yeah. So it's good to, you know, again, really good to 
be aware of what you're getting into before you, before you do a page builder. And again, I just feel like many of our clients don't even know how the the back end of their site is, is being designed or developed. And it would be, you know, really advantageous for them to, to check into that before, like you said, before they, they start on a new site or, or redevelopment, really important. Yeah. And I see a lot of uh, designers and developers say, oh, well, it doesn't really matter what's going on behind the scenes as long as the website looks like the client wants it to. But I couldn't disagree more. I think the client should be aware of what their website is using because it could lead to problems later down the line. Yeah, great point. Well, that thank you for that. Um, that brings us to our last segment, which is um, always what are, what are we learning um, or what is giving us energy these days and that's especially important right now. Holly, what about you? What have you been learning about recently or what's giving you, bringing you energy? So at the moment, I'm learning a new coding language because yeah. <laughs> I like to keep myself busy. So I'm learning uh, React.js, uh, React which is a JavaScript code. And basically it's what the new block editor in WordPress is built on. So I thought it was really important for me to learn. And yeah, I just like having a new challenge. <laughs> So when you're already a developer, does it help like make that process quicker or is it still kind of a long process to learn a, a new developer language? Um, well, it's, I realize it's been a while since I learned a new language from scratch uh, because everything I've been using, I've been using for years now. Um, so it has been a real challenge for me to get back into the habit of learning, um, but I'm enjoying it. Do you use like a specific um software or you use like old-fashioned books <laughs> <laughs> i'm using the mixture to be honest um i bought a course that teaches react but there's also some really great tools online um like uh, code academy and um scrimba where you can actually like you're given challenges to do and you learn about the code and then you can practice it and get uh, results back so you know if you're getting it right or not okay. All right, Jen. Oh, um, I have been doing a lot of um, deep dives into the more up-to-date features of Google My Business for clients, and um, just um, adding a you know a lot of customization to the you know Google My Business listings because a lot of even though the features aren't brand new, a lot of businesses still aren't taking advantage of all of the of all of the features Google My Business offers. And if we're living in a world of zero click searches, which we are, you have to recognize that, you know, a lot of people may never click through to your website and you need to, you know, also optimize your Google My Business. So I've been just kind of like, you know, working with clients and also with our own on improving that. So that's kind of been my recent thing. I have been working in Google Data Studio to, so I've been using Google Data Studio for a long time, but uh, just recently wanted to connect uh, one of the tools I use on a regular basis called SEM Rush. And the connector is not working the way that I had hoped. Um, and I've spent <laughs> a lot of time trying to troubleshoot it and get it to work, but uh, I haven't been successful. And I've been talking to them and I'm not sure that it will be successful, but in the process I've learned that you can blend data data sources. Um, so like if you want to see information from like two Google platforms, like Google Analytics and Google Search Console in one place, in one chart, you can 
do that now. I'm going to have fun thinking about ways to put data together. <laughs> this is, these are the, th you, Holly, you like to study programming languages and Annalisa loves to deep dive into data. I wish I had something quite as compelling today. <laughs> Maybe next time. <laughs> well, Holly, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. It's been wonderful. Uh, tell uh, folks again where they can find you if they by chance, you know, hopefully folks in the UK might listen to this, but you know, you never know, somebody in the US might reach out to, where can they find you? Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. Um, you can find me at hollyprice.com, which is my website, and Holly's spelt with a Y and Price is spelt with a Y as well. It's a bit of a confusing name to have <laughs> as your domain name. And then I'm also on Instagram at hollyprice.dev, which is short for developer. Awesome. Yeah. So thanks again, Holly, and we'll look forward to seeing you online. Cheers. And maybe at that pub someday. I'd really like to come to that yeah. pub. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Thanks. Cheers. Thank you. That wraps up another episode of Meaningful, Measurable Marketing. If you manage marketing, sales, customer service, or operations for a growing small business, we hope you found this podcast helpful. Any tool, resource, or article we reference can be found in the show notes for this episode. And if you haven't already subscribed to our podcast or left us a review, we hope you'll do both today. I'm Jen Carroll, my co-host Annalisa Hilliard and I are marketing strategy consultants, and together we are the Data Dames of Data Dames Marketing. Learn more about us at datadamesmarketing.com.